What is up, Hockey IQ listeners? I'm here to chat about our newest sponsor, Sensorina. Your brain is one of the most important parts of your body. Why not invest in a tool that allows you to train it? With Sensorina, athletes can gain a competitive edge using VR training. Players are able to go through a scenario thousands of times without having to step foot on the ice. No more waiting around for puck touches or perfect scenarios. Sensorina can enhance reaction time, decision-making, and multitasking abilities, making you the next MVP. I mean, if the LA Kings are using it, it's got to be good. With our promo code HockeyIQ, you receive $50 off an annual plan purchase. Head on over to Sensorina.com to check it all out. On the Hockey IQ podcast today, we bring on Derek Toninato. Derek has built a program out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, a non-traditional hockey market. And there's a ton of lessons and experiences that he's taken from that that I think are applicable to so many. And you can tell that he's had difficult conversations. He's had a lot of fun. He's built a program. He's talked about moving players on. So this is a, a great conversation for players, parents, coaches alike so really excited to share this let's get into it on the hockey iq podcast today we bring on derek toninato did i pronounce that properly correct good job awesome <laughs> usually i'm butchering these so that, that makes me <laughs> proud and excited so you've got an interesting background you're in a uh, or we're in a non-traditional hockey market um, building a program but you played some Pro, uh, maybe a quick 30-second background of how you got to where you are currently. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, playing hockey, and uh, of course loved it, had the dream of playing in the NHL someday, and uh, just made my way through junior in college, and then I was able to play uh, four years of minor pro, and I ended up in Tulsa, Oklahoma which is where I played um, about half my pro career and then met my wife and we got married. And then um, after I retired, we ended up moving back. So uh, to Tulsa, so it's a great city and um, she's from there. So uh, that's kind of how I ended up in a non-traditional market and became a, became an Okie lived there for 20 years, but I just recently moved to the Dallas area and, uh, and I'm now coaching in uh, two programs, the Dallas Stars Elite Tier 1 program and Dallas Penguins and doing lessons and skill development stuff. And, and so uh, we just moved down a few months ago. So we're getting acclimated to the big city. <laughs> the big D, as they call the big it. big D. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, going back to your Tulsa, Oklahoma days, uh, you built a pretty successful program there uh, with – Limited resources, to say the least, uh, especially in player numbers. Uh, maybe give us a, a background and how you build a successful program uh, in, in Tulsa. Well, uh, first off, it was it was Clage Cable and myself. We both kind of co-headed it and um, coached and and just kind of um, rallied the troops, so to speak, of the the hockey community there. Um, an opportunity opened up for us to uh, do a camp back in, you know, 2012. And, and then from there it just grew and they, um, they, the rink actually came to us and asked us to take over the program. So 
Um, so we did that together and, um, and now he's, since I moved, he's currently running it right now, but to answer the question a little bit more specifically, it's, it's really just putting your nose to the grindstone and having vision and communicating that vision. And, and, and with our hockey backgrounds, he played pro as well. He played D1 USHL, just like, you know, most of us did. Um, I played D3, but he played D1, but, um, and, uh, so you know, we just cast the vision like, hey, your kids can make it if they want to. Like they they got a dream in their heart. This game is no longer um, go. You have to live where there's outdoor ice. This this is not the case anymore. And with the training that is everywhere now, you got, you know, guys that have played D1 pro or whatever. In, in, in other words, guys that know what they're talking about. They've been around the game. They've been around other coaches and high end coaches. And so they have ways of training kids from a background that that is that they don't know that and their parents don't know that we've run into you know a lot of a lot of people that they play hey I played football I played baseball well that's okay I mean we've got the knowledge of how to train them on the ice but it's the mindset that's the that's the big one that's the big separator so if you got that you know high-end athletic mindset that's that's huge so but in Tulsa we just you know we had a great family group and they all bought in and and the program grew and, you know, we put, you know, we put our effort into expanding the game through going into schools uh, in the early days and, you know, bringing donuts and handing out flyers and stuff like that. And then the, the learn to play program that the NHL initiative put out, you know, really helped, really helped. So if there's a program out there, a small market program that can get involved with an NHL uh, team and that learn to play program, it is huge. Um, and actually they reached out to us because we were in their TV market and they were reaching out to everybody in their team. And the Dallas stars were, and it was a no brainer. Uh, yes, we would love to do that. <laughs> and, and so we started doing that and it really helped get kids in at a, you know, a pretty cheap expense and with low commitment. But, you know, to this day, there's kids playing travel hockey that started in that program. So a uh, really great program. And I would encourage that to everybody that uh, is looking to grow their youth hockey program. So you just rattled off a lot of uh, things. I think we need to, to dig a little bit deeper on a few of those. Um, so you're going into schools, you know, how are you working with schools? Is it going into the PE classes? Do they have big rallies, mailers, you know, what, what does that look like? So um, when we were doing that, um, I don't think we haven't done it for a few years and I don't think they are right now because of the learn to play program. Um but before that, we didn't have that, you know, and we just did try hockey for free dates. You know how USA Hockey has to try hockey for free in the fall and then in the winter. Yeah, we did it once a month uh, and, and worked with the rink just to try to get kids in the game. And that was a battle because you really do have to do like the you, we went into the schools and, and we had a guy that helped us um, kind of guide us through that process. And you, you got to get permission to go in the schools. And, you know, it's kind of hard. Nowadays with the technology, they have um, like Peach Jar as one of them, where you can send an email out and it goes to all the database in the school, in the elementary school, in the middle school, you know, and it's a really good way to communicate what you got going on, you know, like the learn to play program or, or if it's a try hockey for free date, you know, that you're putting on. Um, it's an easy, inexpensive way to do it. Now, the way we did, we put resource into it. I mean, we had to put money aside to, to do that, you know, and, you know, of course we couldn't do it all ourselves. And, 
you know, we had volunteers and we paid a couple, you know, college kids to help us out, you know, to, to go in and say, Hey, there's a youth hockey program in town and, you know, it's, it's going good. We'd love for you to try it, you know, type of thing. And, you know, you got to bring the treats in too. You got to bring the donuts just to kind of win them over. But, <laughs> you know, it's uh it's a good way to get in the door. If, if, if that's, you know, if that's the way to, uh, uh, get in, you know, face to face, but the peach char and the, I, there's other programs that are similar to that, that schools use and, and just going into the school district and finding out what they use would be the way to do it. And then that way, you can just kick out a flyer and get on schedule with them and stay in front of the whole student body, the parents of the student body, you know? So that's probably a good way to do it. And then um, social media obviously is huge. I mean, with today's age, um, all the kids have devices. I mean, at crazy young ages, too young in my opinion, but um, they're all on it and social media and the parents are, you know, so like a great inexpensive way to communicate the programs that you got going on to get people involved in hockey or to try hockey. And from there, it's all about retention, you know? So we can talk about that a little bit if you want to. Exactly where I was going with this. You know, you, you were talking about mindset being the big separator and obviously that's, that's a big thing, but just getting that, that early. Okay. Now they're in the rink. You know, how do we make them have a good experience, have fun, retain them uh, to get to the point where, you know, they may want to have a little bit more than, than just showing up to the rink and playing once or twice a week. Right. And I think that's a process. And what we learned in Tulsa through the um, Tulsa Junior Oilers uh, Youth Hockey Program is that um, you just got to be patient with that process, but you also have to have a plan. And some of it was just fumbling through it, to be honest with you. Every market's a little different. So like in Oklahoma in the fall, no one's on the streets. Everybody's in a football stadium, Friday night lights, baby, you know? And so football's king. Right. And you can't like, we just learned, you can't fight that. You just work with it, you know? And, and so get them in, get them in the house league or we call it the rec program, you know? Um, and, and from there, you know, maybe get them into a, a skill development session where you got to, you know, like maybe the youth program runs a, a power skating session or one of the coaches does, on his own, you know, a power skating session or a, or a, um, or just a skill session. Like we did on Wednesday nights, we had a half hour. It was only a half hour. It was really inexpensive. It was a good way to get the newbies, the kids who just started out of the learn to play program or out of try hockey for free to actually work on stick handling, shooting, passing, you know, and really break it down and show them really, you know, again, it's only a half hour. It's once a week. And it was in addition to their, one practice a week, one game a week that they had going, you know? So it's kind of a, you step them up. And then from there, it's all them. They either catch it or they don't. And what we found is that most of the, the kids that are just have that athletic competitivism, uh, which, what am I trying to say? The athletic compete in them, they love it. I mean, I have, I've got baseball dads going, I can't believe he doesn't want to play baseball anymore. All he wants to do is have a hockey stick in his hand, you know, and, and football guys like, you know, we're once football's over he he's begging to play hockey, you know, obviously because hockey's the greatest game in the world, but we know that. Obviously. Right. 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 You know, but you know, so they're learning and, 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 you know, and it's just a fun, it's a fun process. It is, but it doesn't happen overnight, you know, and if, and if, if, if you can just settle in your heart, it's not going to happen overnight, kind of have a game plan, 
stay in their world, but uh, via, you know, the big thing is coaches staying in the world, you know? Um, and in Tulsa, we have a small community, right? So it's obviously easier when it's smaller to stay in their world. A lot of the coaches were in a lot of the different programs. So like we had coaches that coached in the house league and in the competitive, on, on a competitive team or in our, you know, in, in our skill um, skating program and in the house program. So, you know, there's, there, it, it makes it a little easier to connect and connection is the key. And, and again, I gotta get, I, I gotta go back to the families, the parents, the parent group's amazing. They connected with the new people. They always chipped in and, you know, so you gotta have, you gotta have families that are willing to grow the game. Can't like the, the, the coaches and the, and the, and the president and the hockey director aren't going to get it all done, you know, and, and, in in a small market and, you know, obviously in a big market, even more so, but, um, you know, and, and people feel empowered when they do that, man, I help grow this program. You know, it's their program. There's a lot of pride that comes with it. One of the biggest things I'm proud of, uh, being a part of Tulsa is that the pride that they carry being a Tulsa junior oiler. I mean, we show up and they, these kids wear their stuff, man, with pride, you know, and, and it's just the culture that we had to build over the years. And it's because, you know, the work they put in and the commitment to families and the help they did. And, and, and it all just kind of runs together. So hope that, hope that wasn't too confusing. No, that was great. So I'm, I'm curious. So you're talking about the parents having large buy-in and that obviously, you know, the kids enjoying the game is, is important part of that. Um, is there something that you did to say, Hey, parents, you know, we want to make sure that this is a great experience for you and, and reach out or like help promote that. Or is that pretty natural to them since you're, you're getting parents that maybe played sports before and understand that connectedness? Well, I think it happened by accident at first and then we kind of caught onto it. So um, the kids that are, um, that were just all in it, playing competitive travel hockey and, and even some of the kids that were playing um, house league that wanted to go to the travel team, um, they wanted to get on the ice as much as possible. So, you know, a way of doing that was to help with the try hockey for free or to help with the skill session. Right. So we had the kids come out and man, the kids come out, the parents are there, you know? And so we kind of backdoored it a little bit, <laughs> you know, like, Hey, have your kid come out. And then the parents are helping out because they're there, you know? And then it's not like they didn't want to, they, they're there. They want to help, you know, and they're talking to new people. People have the newbies have questions because this is totally new. Think about a soccer mom, soccer mom coming in. All they got to bring in is a cleat and a ball, a pair of cleats and a ball. Right. Well, with hockey, it's a bag and all this equipment. It's kind of right there alone. It's overwhelming for, for soccer mom. You know what I mean? And so, you know, when they see it's manageable, they see other hockey moms doing it now and dads and, and their community is pure communication to the parents, you know? And so um, that's, that's been probably a big one that we didn't realize what we did. We didn't realize it at first, but then we did as we kept going through the years. That's, that's pretty cool. Getting the kids involved in helping. I'm assuming that it might even translate also to their performance or ability to pick up skills now that they're trying to teach it. A hundred percent. It's, it's a win, 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 win for everybody. It helps out the program. It helps out the coaches. It helps out the new kids and it actually helps the player out because they're having to communicate with their words how to shoot or skate, you know what I mean? And then 
just that alone, when you hear yourself do that, you kind of have to process how you're doing it yourself. I know I've done this myself as a coach when I'm trying to teach a really detailed thing that I just know how to do because I've done it forever. Now I'm, now I'm communicating. It's like, Oh, well, that's how I do it. (laughs) You're kind of recalling how you do it, you know? And I think it's the same, but more on an elementary level for the kids, you know, teaching another one how to stride or hold their stick. Well, that's teaching. They're, they're actually reteaching themselves how to hold their stick properly. You know what I mean? So I think it's just good. And they're on the ice. And, and, and another thing too, is I feel like we're, we're building leadership skills in them and possibly future coaches, you know? Um, I mean, I see it. I saw it in a bunch of kids that I can tell they're going to be coaches when they get older, they love the game so much and they just go out there and they just help and they found joy in just teaching these new kids. And it was just, man, that was the biggest blessing really to see. It was like, Oh my gosh, these kids are loving this, you know, and the parents are helping, you know, coaches are helping. It's just, I I'm, I'm kind of painting a picture of a rosy, you know, atmosphere. There's a ton of work that goes in before that, but when you're there, it really is a really cool, it's worth it. You know what I mean? It's like when you put in all this work to run a, you know, you know, a, a half marathon or whatever, and then you do it, it's amazing, you know, um, and, and it's the same process. So it's a bit, a bit of front end work getting ready for that try hockey for free or that learn to play program, you know, but then when it's there and you're seeing everybody out there and everybody's excited, man, it's just so worth it, you know. That is awesome. I, I love when you can get kids to give back is exactly what you talked about. Like I remember talking to a bunch of new coaches um, or guys who just started coaching and they're like, yeah, those like two, three years after I stopped playing and started coaching was like the best hockey I've ever played in my life, even though it was yeah. an adult league because they had to relearn <laughs> everything and I actually got like a deeper understanding and the depth of knowledge. So that that's really cool. Um, continuing on this kind of conversation, I'm curious. Okay. So now we've built a community, we've got players um, that's good and well, but we then need to build up that talent, develop that talent. Uh, I'm curious of one, um, how you get the players to develop. And then two, how do you get maybe coaches or parents to help in that process? Um, okay. So I'll, I'll answer the first one. Um, how, do, how do we develop the players? Um, and it's really just by providing opportunity for them to develop. And what we did is we um, had a certain amount of kids that actually communicated, I, I want to go for this. I, this is my game. And I want to reach to the stars. I want to go to the NHL. I want to play D1 or whatever their specific goal is. Of course, when they're younger, you know, they're all of them want to go to the NHL. And our the, what we communicated from the beginning is you will never, Clage and I, always communicate this we will never take away that dream because i we would hear parents say they would give a caveat in a conversation hey i want my son to learn how to he's struggling with stick handling i know he's not going to the nhl and i know wait wait why did you just give that caveat because you don't know and i don't know that he's not going to the nhl yeah is it going to be hard of course it's going to be very difficult but why take that away from a 10 year old you know what i mean like, or an 11 year old or 12 year old, like, man, there's so much development to happen between, you know, where they're at now at that point and to where they're going to actually, you know, we're, we're going to find out if they are going to actually make it to the NHL or not. 
as you know, there's a ton of development, right? So we never took that away. We communicated that. If your kid says, I want to go to the NHL, we're going to facilitate opportunities for him to go to the NHL the best we can. You know what I mean? So that means lesson opportunities, skill development, training opportunities in a group setting, um, summer camps, spring camps, uh, two-month spring training that we basically said, if you want to play competitive travel hockey, you got to do the spring training camp in April and May. It's not mandatory, but if you want to get good, you have to do it because in today's game, you got to develop your skill consistently. And you know, you know, as well as I, that if you do it once a week, it ain't going to happen. You got kids doing it every day. Right. Um, and you know, and I'm a firm believer in rest and taking a break and that's what the summer's for, you know, but you know, we just, the way we structure it is go through your season. And in the spring, we're going to hit it hard in skill development for two months in April and May. Of course, I got pushed back a little bit with COVID last year, but, um, but in a normal year, it was April and May. And then, you know, in the summer, you know, do what you want. We would have opportunities for lessons in the summer, but you know, it was kind of hit and miss and everybody's got vacation schedules and other sports. And that's, and we encourage multi-sport. You got to have athleticism, you know, but you can't just put the skates up until next October, you know, from March to October, you can't do it anymore. If you want to play at the highest levels and, you know, yeah, play baseball, play lacrosse, lacrosse, great cross training sport for hockey, right? Play football, play with it, golf, whatever you want, play all of them, you know, as long as you got the energy and the time, right? Like, um, but, but we just really communicated, like, if you want to go to the highest levels, of your game, you're going to have to work at it, you know, and we're going to provide that opportunity. Now there's a lot of kids in, in Tulsa that didn't, they just wanted to play house league. And that's, we provided that too. And we communicated that, Hey, there's a house league. We call it rec league. And there's a travel team. We call it competitive team, you know? And, and so, and we did that because that's what the baseball teams do there. And so it was kind of similar to lingo. So like if you're in an area where they don't call travel hockey, travel hockey, call it whatever all the other sports call it. So that the parents aren't confused. That's what we did you know, just to get over the language barrier of it. So, um, so that's kind of where we went with that. And so we, you know, Clay and I, and we had some guys from Canada and a lot of ex-pros because um, Tulsa's had a, 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 a pro team for years. And actually it's interesting. It goes back to the twenties. We did not know this. Tulsa had a pro team like in the twenties, 1920s, then it went away and come and go. And then, so tall, hockey in Tulsa has been around for a while. It's just been in a small uh, demographic, you know? So, you know, we, our goal is to just do our best to grow the game and, and provide for the kids that had a passion for it, you know, whether it's at the house level or the travel level. And then, so as far as the coaching goes, um, we just had to utilize as many coaches with hockey knowledge as possible. And the dads that didn't have knowledge, you know, we kind of help coach them up through, um, you know, our ADM sessions at the 8U level. And, um, you know, we used to have uh, in the early days, we had coaches meetings, um, you know, every couple months. And so, you know, those are ways to stay in the world of the guys that are new to the game, you know. And of course, with USA Hockey, they got in technology, there's all these resources just to kind of understand, you know, the process of development for a, for a youth hockey player. Yeah, and that's massive. And I've seen some parent coaches that don't know anything or don't have a hockey background be some of the best. You know, they just literally ask a bunch of questions, let the kids play, and they don't overwhelm them. Um, obviously, there's times where you need to push content. And 
you know, obviously that's, that's great. You have a huge uh, ex-professional player pool to pull from on that. And obviously yourself and uh, it's just really powerful. So I, I love that. Um, so, well, one more thing with that, I'd like to add, cause I, th- I'm, I'm right on your page with it, but I think one of the things that is underestimated in youth hockey as a coach for coaches is the leadership, no matter what your background is, if you played stinking in the NHL or you never played hockey at all, it's the leadership that that coach brings to the rink and to those kids. And, you know, like you just said, we had guys that dads that played other sports, but they just knew how to be on a team and knew how to lead a team. You know what I mean? And so, you know, and, and, and again, we, we didn't, we had a lot of pros there, but not a, not a ton helped with the youth program, but we had guys that, you know, that have played and not played a healthy mix of it. And the guys that had, didn't play the game really what was impressive to me as I've learned year after year, season after season is that I, I can see the leadership that they've developed through their life in sports and they're carrying it on to the kids by exampling it as a coach. You know what I mean? And one of the things I think is highly underestimated in any sport, not just youth hockey, is the intangibles that are taught in the game, the leadership skills, the character, the integrity, the learning to be a good teammate in a difficult, you know, practice or, or even seat, you know, time in the season, like a few weeks during a month during the season, you know, like those are huge life lessons. And, and to see how coaches respond to that, and their leadership is awesome. It's fun. And it's definitely fun for them. I mean, I know I've had conversations and people just love doing it, just being out there with their kids. It's a, a ton of fun. And I, and I love exactly what you're talking about. Like through their life experiences, they have so much to give back through leadership, being a good teammate, working hard, understanding just like the little details and the intangibles. I just, yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on. Like they're much underrated by a lot of hockey people but they provide so much. And, and I love being able to pull from their, their life experiences, whether it's hockey or not, uh, just super powerful for those kids. And uh, I would like to say that hockey or, you know, any sports, basically like the, the most important, unimportant thing you'll ever do because of everything it teaches and everything you learn through it. Like all of my best experiences and biggest growth have happened because I screwed up in hockey, which is a very low stakes environment compared to, uh, being a financial advisor and having to screw up with a client. Like, right, I don't yeah. want to make it in that area. I want to make it in the sport right. area and be able to learn and then transfer those. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we could have a whole other podcast on that, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so deep and, but that's why the youth hockey coach or any youth coach is so important. And, and I would say to any youth program, like you got to be careful, not careful, but be mindful of who you're choosing as your coach, you know, for your, for, for the teams. Like, I mean, some, some people have uh, wrong motives, not a lot, but um, we were blessed in Tulsa to have just people who just wanted to help. Hey, I haven't played the game, but I did play baseball and I just want to help. Perfect. You're the perfect candidate because it's a willing heart and a good attitude, right? Just like the kids need to have a willing heart and a good attitude and things will get better. Things will improve. Um, progress will happen. And, and really that's where we started. I mean, our first um, travel team, Greg, in Tulsa, got beat consistently 20 to 25 to nothing the first season, right? And so Clay and I are like, listen, don't get disheartened. This is a good learning lesson. We're going to get better. 
You guys are working hard. You're training. You're 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 putting in the skill development. You know, we had a Monday night session that that was just for skills at the time, and and so like like they were doing. It. And the next year they got better. And the fall it just got better and better and better, and to the point where you know five years later we were winning the Dallas Stars Travel Hockey League playoffs at ten. You know what I mean? It's like Tulsa, really? Yeah, really. You just got a willing heart and a and a good attitude. You know. So two things you can control. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Man. Um, it's just fun to even talk about, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing the potential in humans and, and in, and little humans, you know, these little guys just learning um, and we're shaping lives and we're shaping hockey players. And um, at the end of the day, I think when we're all old and um, not able to skate anymore because <laughs> we're so old, we're going to look back and say, you know what? that was really awesome time of life. I got to be a part of these kids lives. I got to, you know, pour into them and impart into them, you know, my knowledge of life and in the game. And, 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 and that to me is what it's all about, you know, whether they make their accolades or not, you know, that's, that's to be seen. And I don't think anybody should take that away. Personally, it's my personal opinion. I don't think it's fair. None of us know. I mean, we've heard of guys from all the, especially today, all these uh, non-traditional markets making it to the NHL, you know, and yeah, it's hard, but man, chase that dream, you know, go for it. It's a good life lesson. Right. So that's where we started with our programs. We just kind of cast the vision, you know, it's not for everybody. It's fine. You just want to show up and play twice a week, man, we're here. We're going to have fun, you know, but if you want to go for it, we're here, we're going to do it as well. So that's kind of how we grew the program. So that leads perfectly into to what I want to talk about next is, okay, so you're training these players. They're becoming very good. You're winning down in Dallas, uh, which is which is not a, a short drive. If I nope. Right. Four hours one way. Yep. <laughs> so you're developing players to the point where they're probably saying to themselves, you know, should I stay in Tulsa or should I go? You know, and parents are probably asking themselves the same question if, you know, should they stay or should they go? I um, assume you've had a lot of those conversations and can guide us on, you know, maybe selecting that program of where a good spot is. And then maybe when a player should stay versus when they should go for, uh, you know, some, something more, you know, like Tulsa's only got so many teams you can play in a reasonable hour. Maybe you need to, to go elsewhere. Right. And that is a completely loaded question, as you know, I mean, I think it's, I mean, for a, for a person who's been in the game their whole life, that's a hard question to answer, you know, and now we're talking about families and parents that have not been in the hockey uh, culture. They have no background on the path for a high-end hockey player. Right. And, you know, the landscape's changing every day uh, in, in hockey right now for the, for the experienced seasoned hockey dad or even coach, you know, so it's very specific to the player. I think um, uh, what we saw in every market's a little different, right? Because there's different opportunities based on where you live and, and the hockey uh, caliber within the region of the area that you live in, you know? And um, so I'll just give the example of my own experience in Oklahoma, right? In Tulsa. So there's two hockey markets, there's Oklahoma city and Tulsa. And then, um, after that, it's, you know, go, go north, it's, you know, Kansas City, four hours north. You go east, it's St. Louis, six hours, you know. 
you go west, it's Colorado. Damn, that's ten hours driving. And you go south, it's it's Dallas. It's four hours. So kind of on a hockey island, right? Um, from the perspective of, yeah, I'm just going to play across town and have a high end game. You know, that ain't happening in Tulsa, you know, or in Oklahoma City. So those challenges are a little different. But if you live in a Dallas or a major metropolitan area, you usually have a triple A program or a couple or like in Chicago's case, 10. No, just kidding. They have five. Um, but, um, you know, that's a lot of opportunity there. Right. Like so it kind of depends on the market. So there's one part of the loaded question. Um, but if you're like on a hockey on a small, small market and, and you're going to have to travel consistently, there's probably going to be a point where there's going to need to be a relocation of that player or with the family or just a billet, send them off and billet. Now that goes back to personal opinion uh, as well. I think it's way too early to billet a kid at 13 or younger. Some kids in Oklahoma left when they were 11, it's out of control. You know, that's way too young. Right. Like, um, and we saw it like kids, they, they didn't, they didn't even make it past, you know, 18 in the game. It's, it's sad, but, um, but then, you know, you had kids that left a little later and their family relocated and, and they're going for it, you know, and that's kind of what needs to happen. Now, when is that? Mm, that's a tough one. What if the kid's not ready, and he, but thinks he is like, is it smart? I want to ask you this, Mr. Greg, is it smart for a, um, a kid who's played on the second line in a small market, double A, to go make a triple A team and play on the third line at the age of 14? I would say no, because you want to have more exposure, more playing experience uh, than any percent, hundred percent. I agree a hundred percent. So like dominate where you're at first is my, was kind of my, my rule, right? Like, well, if you're not dominating where you're at, then why, why go anywhere else? You know, because guess what? It ain't getting easier. <laughs> it's going to get way harder, you know? So, um, and then you got parents say, well, he plays better at a higher level. Okay, maybe, but you, there's going to be a point where that little mirage goes away and it's too late. You already moved there. And, um, and you know, your kid's confidence is terrible playing on the third line of a triple eight, you know what I mean? And had all these big expectations. So, and that's a tough conversation to have because it's not good news, you know, like, it's not like, oh, okay. You know, um, but I will say this, like, you know, we had kids in Tulsa that stayed. I had, you know, a kid 15 years old stay. He could, you know, probably a good age to leave if you're ready, but he wasn't, you know, and we all sat down with the, with the player and the parents. And we said, listen, we don't think you're ready to go yet because of this. And you need to mature a little bit more. You need to dominate where you're at. Like you haven't led your team in, in scoring. You haven't, you know what I mean? Been on the, in the key situation, every, every situation that's key in a game. If you're not out there every time at, you know, at your local association, then you got to think, why is that, you know, um, and then fix it, right? Like keep working at it and then develop in that area. And once you are, it might be time to move on to a higher level, you know? And so um, I think sometimes we, as parents put the cart before the horse. And in that case that, you know, uh, players tend to do that, you know? And so the big, the hardest part is being patient. We're in a, a society where we get stuff immediately, you know, instantly, like, but this doesn't happen instantly. And everybody's got, and here's the biggest thing out of all this is everybody's got a different path. Everybody's got a different path. And the cool thing about hockey 
is that there's so many paths, right? Like there isn't, it's not like football where you play high school football and then you, you have two options. You go to D1 college, right? Or you go to a JUCO and play. That's it. There's two options there, right? And but hockey, man, there's so many options. Like there's junior A, there's there's tier one junior at USHL, there's NA, there's NA3, there's AAA programs, there's I mean, all over the place, right? There's academies, there's prep schools, there's all kinds of options for the player in today's game. And and the hardest thing is finding the right fit for your player, right? And knowing when to leave. So um you know, that's, that's a tough one. That's not a one conversation answer, in my opinion. Um, that's a lot of, a lot of conversations, a lot of mulling over, a lot of honest, um, gotta be honest with yourself with where your child's at, you know, and see the weaknesses in them. Everybody loves to see our, our strengths and our, and our player, but we got to see the weaknesses too and think, okay, how's that going to translate to where I'm thinking about going? Yeah, I love that. Dominate where you're at first. If you're not dominating, it, it's very problematic to move. And I think you touched on it briefly, but I think it's super important. It's just understanding the psychology of the player and how their confidence alters when they get put in a new environment. Like, do they truly have confidence because their skills are good and they're ready for that? Or is it, you know, I'm getting points against the worst teams in the league. And right. I feel great about it. But when it comes to hard competition, maybe I'm not producing. So that needs I feel to be like a I'm stat. ready, but I'm not ready. That needs to be a stat. Like if if you're one of those parents out there right now that is contemplating um, moving or having your your child billet somewhere, pay attention to that. Is my point? Is my player? It doesn't have to be points or scoring, but is my player doing better against the weaker teams only, or in the stronger teams when it's a tight game? Does my player step up? You know, because if if not, I would really think about the decision you're about to make, you know what I mean? Like uh, it's, it's not going to all of a sudden get better just because you moved, you know, you know, big big time. And I've, I've had players that, and I've literally shown them like, okay, here's against the teams that you care about beating and want to win. And here's your points with teams that you don't care about. And it's like, okay, you've got two or three points in six games compared to 20 points in those other six games. So you feel like you're doing great, but we still right. need to actually go back and just get better. Like you can't accept, you know, hit the uh, the snooze button and say, oh, I'm so great. I'm so great. It's just a uh, recipe for disaster. Yeah, I've had those conversations and they're not always pleasant because uh, the kids kids don't 100% understand yeah. the parents don't. Yeah, that's the hard part about being a coach. Um, you know, we talked about the rosy part earlier, you know, where it's, you're, you're pouring into the kids and you're feeling accomplished and purposeful as a coach and as a human and, you know, helping these kids, you know, love the game and, and go for their dreams. But then there's the part where they, they're, they're going to need guidance. And some of that guidance isn't fun to hear all the time, you know, and, but if we're being good stewards of our, our players, we have to have those conversations, you know, and, you know, I've had plenty of those in Tulsa, um, and I, I just had to mentally prepare for them because I care about them and I know they're not going to like what I'm about to say, you know, but it's the, also the truth, but then also like, listen, this is a, it's a process. Like it's a journey, right? Like enjoy it. Everybody's got a different, you know, timeline and, 
you know, do your best to accomplish what you can today. Right. And today you need to work on playing against the better teams better, you know, like not just scoring six goals against the weaker teams or not just playing well against the weaker teams or whatever the scenario might be for that individual player. Blossom where planted is what I've always heard, you know, wherever your feet are, be there. No million ways to cut at that, but uh, obviously we've touched on a lot of points that, you know, this isn't an easy decision. Um, We've kind of got at this a little bit, you know, but what are maybe some common valid questions parents should be asking uh, when they're getting into these conversations or they're contemplating these things? About uh, moving or about? Yeah, selecting a program or moving. It could be either or. Like, how do I select a good spot for my, my kid? Um, I think that, honestly, when we're, in, like, when we're talking about that scenario, it's not about going to the program that has the best reputation all the time or the, all the accolades. You know what I mean? Um, it's about finding the right fit for your player, you know? And, and if there's a program that has great skill development, coaching and coaches that really have have a record of moving their players onto the next level I would look at those I don't even worry about their national championship record or how many tournaments they're winning because sometimes those don't go hand in hand you know a lot of times they do but but sometimes they don't and and I think that it's important to find a situation for your child where they're going to thrive where you think they're going to thrive you know, not just, oh, they're the best coaches. They do all the winning. They do all the moving on. I want to go there. You know, well, that might not be the best fit. You might need to go to a, a, a team that's, you know, let's just call it rankings. I'm not huge on rankings, but it does give you like a somewhat of a blurry picture of the, the landscape of the uh, skill level of, of teams. And so, like, say there's a fourth ranked team and then there's a 20 ranked team. Right. Well, that 20 ranked program might be the best fit for your player depending on the scenario, you know what I'm saying? And I'm given really vague, like uh, communication in this as to what it might be, but there's so many different variables, right? I mean, you got defensemen, you got fours, you got goalies, you got all these different, you know, one kid might not be puberty yet. One kid might be, you know what I'm saying? One kid might need more skill development. One kid might need more hockey IQ. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, there might be a coach that's just better at teaching this than, you know, than the skill part, you know? So, um, and, and I don't think the other thing is you don't want to go for a one-year show either, right? Like pick a pro, if you're going to move your family or move your child, they need to be planted for a little bit, like, like moving around year to year. I don't think it's healthy, um, for a kid. Now, when they get older, like when they're, you know, 18 or 19, that's pretty natural. You know, sometimes there's movement on teams, depending on where you play on a junior team or whatnot. I'm speaking more of the 15, 16, 17 year, uh, age group that one that's my opinion on it what about you uh i think that exactly what you're talking about is like find a good fit um and i'm the same way as like you want to be thinking ahead of maybe not this year but what the ultimate goal is and then working back to figure out what do i need to make that happen right so I, i'm a start with the why and at the end and work way back mm-hmm. uh but same exact kind of concepts and things that you're talking about. I'm on the same page there. And uh, yeah. yeah, I got, I got two, two more quick questions for you. Okay. Um, try to keep this a reasonable time. Yes, sir. So yeah. let's, let's, let's dive into maybe some, uh, some nerdy specific stuff. 
Kat, okay. so you're coaching these players. You know, what are the skills and habits that are most important to you that you try to impart on your players? Or like, hey, if there's a guy that they're trained, he's got this and this. Um, well, the 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 top two things that I think most um, coaches actually um, communicate and would like their players to have is number one, a good attitude and number, and number two, a strong work ethic, right? Like you gotta be focused and with a good attitude when you show up and, and, and man, just a hard worker, you know, um, if without those two things, you know, it goes back to what we're talking about, willing heart and, and, and a good at, you know what I'm saying? Like they're kind of the same thing, like without those two things, it's going to be hard to, to get the best out of that player no matter what you're doing, whether it's, you know, skill development or team play or whatever it is, it's just, you know, it's required to, to, for that player to be their best and to achieve their dreams, whatever those dreams are, they got to learn to do that at a young age. In my opinion, they got to have a good attitude, have a focused, good attitude and a strong work ethic. So like if, if I'm, if I'm sitting back and daydreaming and, and, and just thinking, Oh, what, what, what I like people to say about players that I train, that would be the top two right there. I would want them to say, well, his players have a great attitude and their focus and they work, they outwork everybody, you know, um, probably because I had to do that to just survive in hockey. Um, so um, it comes really easy for me to do that. And I struggle a little bit sometimes with kids that are talented that don't have both those pieces, I've learned to do better with it, but, um, you know, we all have to grow in certain areas, but, um, those are the top two. And then obviously you got to have good skill development, um, um, in the player, they got to have good skills, um, skating being the, the number one, if you can't skate, you can't play at a high level. Right. Um, so, um, I'm kind of getting sidetracked, I think. And were you asking me the first, the top couple things that we wanted in players? Yeah, so skating skill, good attitude, strong work ethic. I, I like all those. And I think what you're getting at is having a foundation to build off of. Like you're trying to figure out ways to maximize the players and they can maximize themselves first and foremost. It's 100%. Like, it's all about teaching. And if a kid is unable to learn, then they're not going to pick up the skills as fast as everyone. And therefore, they're not going to be able to get ahead or get where they want to be. Um, and I know that's something I think believe you and I have talked about in the past is just setting kids up to become better learners. So therefore they can acquire yeah. all these things that are being offered to them, whether that be leadership or the hard skills, the intangibles, right. You know, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just having that uh, student of the game type of mindset, you know, again, kind of goes back to your mindset, right? We're talking about things that are mindset based. And I think I'm going to jump off to a little rabbit trail here real quick. So bring me back real quick if you need to. Okay. But in today's age with media, social media and screens and everybody being on, I'm talking about the players on the screens constantly. I believe mindset training has become more and more prevalent for a player to make it at the top levels really have to guard, not guard against it, but like be careful not to like, you know, get swayed down the path of not having that excellent high-end mindset where you're, you have that student of the game type mindset. Like, like our, you know, if a kid, I can tell if a kid's been on a screen all day, 
within two minutes of talking to him at practice. You know, like it, it's, we're going to see data. I'm convinced of this. We're going to see data in probably a few years, maybe 10 years from now, that's going to be like smoking cigarettes back in the, you know, the fifties when no one knew it was bad for you. You know what I mean? Everybody's smoking. It's going to be the same thing with screens. I'm guaranteeing it's going to happen. It's already coming out a little bit, but it's going to be like, ah, uh, this is not good for our mindset to be doing it this much. You know, um, the hard part about it is, is that technology is just growing, growing, growing. Right. And everything's on a screen now. So like, it's really an interesting dynamic for today's youth hockey player. But um, so to kind of get back to what you're saying um, is uh, getting elite at getting elite, right? Marty St. Louis said it uh, on one of your podcasts that, um, and I listened to that like 10 times over again. I just kept going back to it. He's like, you just got to get elite at being elite. You know, like that's how you become well, really good is that, that drive, that desire, which is the attitude kind of I'm talking about is one of the top two things is like that inner drive, that fire to improve. Right. And so when a player has that, I mean, pick a coach, I mean, they're going to get better, you know, like it's, so it's a lot of this is um, player based, which is why I think we had success in Tulsa that we cast the vision and we just put them in a mindset where it's like, you can do this. You just got to want it and you got to do these things and just keep working at it. And we would just, you know, teach them the basics and, and then build from there, you know, and to the point where we have, um, I mean, there's eight players, Greg, playing AAA hockey this year out of Tulsa that are a little bit older now, you know, and I mean, that's, I'm super, Clay and I are super proud of that. That's not like in an organization at that size, that's pretty good testament to those kids, you know, of the drive that they have, you know, and the, and the effort that they put into this. Yeah. And I'll back you up. So like uh, China just came out and they're restricting how much you can play video games uh, as, as kids, like they have like, you know, the facial recognition. So you're only allowed an hour per day on school nights. So it basically can only work on weekends. So pretty crazy what they've got. And then the second piece backing up here is like getting elite at improving and getting better. Um, like I remember talking to Red Gendron, uh, at one of these coaching conferences, and I was asking about Paul Korea and he's like, Paul Korea was like the best player you could ever ask for, but he's also like a little bit of a pain in your butt because he was so yeah. demanding and asking questions. And like, he wanted to like maximize the coach so much and get as much value you could out of each coach. And I think that's such a great mindset to have is how can I maximize the situation at hand? How can I maximize this person in front of me to, to help? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's what coaches want to do. So 100%. Yeah. obviously that's an epiphany that I would have had. You've talked about a few of these already, but uh, my, my last question to you is, you know, what are some epiphanies you've had while working at hockey? Uh, because you've had a wealth of experiences uh, that I think are pretty unique yet can be translated to, you know, so many parents, players, coaches, et cetera. Um, man, there's a lot of them. Um, but I think, I think one of the things that um, after a few years in um, coaching full time that I realized is that how important the parent role is to the success of the player. So, you know, we have parents that say, I don't know the game, but I want to do everything I can to help my kids succeed. Um, 
And that is where we can either as parents get in the way or facilitate that. And that's kind of a, a juggling act. I mean, because every kid's a little different, but the parent knows their, their child the best. So there's a fine line of uh, pushing them too hard, but then there's a fine line of not pushing them hard enough. Like if they're wanting to um, go to the NHL and they're not going hard on the ice every practice, well, why are you wasting your money? You know what I mean? Like, like, dude, go hard or like play house league, you know, like there has to be that demand from the parent, you know, and I'll see kids that, that, you know, there's some, there's not a lot, but there's some that just, they only work 75% of the time. Well, the other 25% of the time, there's going to come a day in the next couple of years where they're going to get cut because of that, you know, they're good players right now. Right. Like, but hold on. Like that's where the parents need to kind of pull them to the fire a little bit more. Um, you know, so I think that, um, and that's the hardest thing to do as a parent is to, uh, you know, help your child, but also gently discipline them or hold them to a standard that they're not going to like, you know, but it's required. Right. Um, so there's one that is really hard to communicate because it's, again, it's not a fun thing to talk about, you know, um, and it's a difficult thing to talk about because it can be translated many different ways, depending on what that parent is hearing after you communicate it, you know? So, you know, I, <laughs> I could say that to one parent and then, and, and the kid's not eating sugar. He's got no screen. And it's like, wait a minute. We didn't say that. We didn't say that, but we did say you got to work hard when you come to the rink. You know what I mean? Like every shift, every time, you know what I mean? So, you know, so there's a line there, but then um, also as a coach, you know, we talked about this, I think offline one time, um, excuse me, one second. <clears throat> as a coach, I'm saying, move the puck, move the puck, move the puck from the bench. And he held onto it. It was the right play. <laughs> well, don't listen to me. Cause you just made the right play. That was awesome. You know what I mean? So like over coaching sometimes is something that I've had to learn not to do, you know, um, especially when you're in your market where you kind of know more than ever anybody by default, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I was living in Oklahoma, right? Like there's not a whole lot of guys that, right. Could say that, but that, that, but you know, it's also like, wait a minute, that doesn't give me the right to like, bark a command every to let the kids play and learn and then talk about it, you know, and, um, and there's going to be mistakes. Like we talked about um, passing in front of the net. I think we did. Was it you and I? I can't remember. This is a big one among coaches. Well, don't pass it in front. Never pass it. Well, wait a minute. Not, you can sometimes, sometimes it's the right play actually in your own end. You know what I mean? So it's situational. And that is why it's so hard to communicate. Hockey IQ, the name of your broadcast. Man, talk about the de depths of the ocean on that one. Like, we'll never achieve the depths of the ocean of hockey IQ. It is so situational and so different for every player, how they see it. And it's very difficult to communicate because it's instantaneous. And every situation changes instantaneously based on the opponent and your teammates, right? So, like, again, overcoaching. No, let's just teach the principles and let them decide, you know? So that's one epiphany I had, too. Awesome. Well, this has been a blast. And I think we've uh, stuck a lot of good nuggets into a very short time frame. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your, your expertise and experience. I think all the stories you have, uh, maybe you generalize them 
you know, it's kind of like HIPAA, like you can't talk about the individual patient, but you can kind of talk about the scenario. Right. I think that's really cool uh, to, to be able to do that. So again, thanks for, for sharing all that with us. Man, thanks for having me on. It's an honor. It's fun. And you got a great, uh, you got a great broadcast and I really enjoy your newsletters. And um, I, mean, I use that, that as a resource too. And when I'm doing video with kids, I'll, I'll pull up, um, you know, one of your newsletters and show like one of your points or whatever, and we'll talk about it. So thank you for doing that. Awesome. Glad you enjoy it. You take care. Thanks. See you, Greg. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. So before we let you go, though, we'd like to remind you to please like our podcast, subscribe to it, give us a follow uh, and share this with all the hockey people in your life. We really appreciate uh, growing this community, this podcast. Um, Remember, we also have a newsletter, the Hockey IQ newsletter as well. Really excited to continue to grow this. So please help us grow this further by liking, subscribing, following, and sharing uh, with everyone. So appreciate you all. Take care. That concludes this week's episode. Thanks for joining us here at Hockey IQ. If you haven't already, take a quick moment to hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and drop a review. If you want to be a great teammate, even recommend us to a friend. You can follow us at Hockey's Arsenal on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the website, hockeysarsenal.com, where you can subscribe to the weekly newsletter. You won't regret it. Catch you Buttes here next week for a brand new episode.